0: Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host,
1: Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Tom Hess. Tom won the 2011 USBC Masters at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno. Tom, thanks for hopping on with me today.
2: Tim, thanks for having me.
1: All right, Tom. Well, a lot has been made with everything with your decision to give up your paid contract with Radical slash Brunswick slash DV8. So I guess let's begin right there. And you posted some messages on Facebook about it. But can you just reiterate as far as what your thought was as to why you would uh, you know give up your position?
2: Well, th- this year, Tim, I didn't have a very good year bowling. Uh, bowling wasn't fun anymore, and right. As of, you know, about a month ago, actually in Las Vegas at the Fall Classic, I had just made a decision to kind of step away from bowling on tour. And, uh, you know, it's it's no secret that in the Midwest, even the regional entry counts have been down. And driving seven hours to bowl a one-day event against 40 guys just kind of got to where I don't know that I want to do that all summer. And I didn't have a very good year. You know, as of the fall classic, I wasn't having a very good year on tour. Um, So at at that time at the fall classic, I kind of talked to Chuck and just let him know my intentions were to um, not not quit bowling, but I'm not going to bowl full-time. And so with that decision, if if I'm not gonna bowl full time, then obviously I don't deserve a paid paid contract. And I just felt that in my best interest, if I didn't have a paid contract, then I wanted to be able to throw whatever I needed to throw to win.
1: And Tom, after you bowled the World Series of Bowling, there you had to have second thoughts with as well as you bowled.
2: Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, and I want to go back. I mean, Tim, this was not an easy decision. Um, I was with Brunswick for four years. They treated me very well. Um, You know, and also, when I made the move to Radical, I was the only national staffer for Radical. So that also weighed on my decision. You know, it it was hard. I mean, it really pulled at my heart. I've got a lot of great friends that on Brunswick. I mean, that's When I left, you know, as everybody knows, I won my one and only PBA national title with Storm. The only reason that I left Brunswick, as I said, was I don't plan on bowling full-time. It's not worth it. You know, you had just brought up the World Series of Bowling where, yes, I had what I'm going to call a very solid week. When you're bowling 240-some other guys and they're only cutting to 24 each day, I made two cuts. I cashed in the world championships. Unfortunately, I had a bad day in the cashers' round and, and plummeted down the leaderboard. Um, with all that being said, then I lost my first two matches in the top 24. So for the week at the World Series of Bowling, when I thought I had a, a very solid week, I made $3,300 in prize money. By the same time you take up the $2,000, or if not even a little bit more than that in expenses, I only $1,200. So, yes, even though it was a great week, it still really did not change my mind about bowling full-time on tour.
1: So, Tom, as you head out to the National Bowling Stadium in Reno where you won the 2011 USBC Masters, what emotions still run through your mind as you walk into that stadium?
2: Uh, you know, I've not only won the Masters there, I've bowled. Several, let's see, I was a member of the RPI team in the Midwest for eight years. Had some great success in some of the RPIs. Actually finished second in the RPI there to Brian Smith the year that I earned my exemption, which unfortunately I really didn't get because the PBA went away from the exempt tour. Um, Finished third in doubles at Nationals in the stadium. The the stadium, it's just a special place in my heart. Always will be. I, I actually love bowling there.
1: And, Tommy, talk about the exempt tour. There's been talk of players saying we should bring this back, we should bring this back. But then on the flip side, you hear also that that was at the demise of the PBA tour and what we know of what the old PBA tour was. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: My, my thoughts about the exempt tour, I think it was the right way to go. I really do. I, I think we need, it needs to be exclusive but I don't know that 64 bowlers every week was enough. Um, I, I think if the field to get to, you know, 128, maybe with 96 exempt guys, you know, and 32 guys bowling to get in every week, you know, I don't know. Obviously, it, it's all about money. And right now we're lacking sponsors, you know. And why? I don't know. I mean, all bowlers drive cars. All bowlers stay in hotels. You know what I mean? We all use cell phones. Why can't we get some of those people? I I have no idea. You know, the one way that as a bowling fan, and if you're listening to this show, you're probably a bowling fan, but the easiest and fastest way to help support the PBA is to subscribe to Extra Frame. Um. You were there, Tim, in, in Reno covering, I mean, they covered, there was two options for for, what, what was it, 10 hours a day, every day during qualifying. You know, I mean, that's the best bargain with the PBA right now. So I just plead to any bowling fan, if you want to see the PBA survive, a, a quick fix would be to uh, subscribe to Extra Frame.
1: Could not have said it better myself, Tom. Let's head back, though, to Reno. Much was made of the lefties making the show. I believe at one show, the, the Viper Championship, it was all four of the players competing on TV were lefties. Talk about that and really why you think the stadium may have played that way for the lefties.
2: If you want to talk righty-lefty, Tim, I don't think it will ever be fair. It's just pretty much impossible to make it fair. You know, I'm, not, I'm no genius lane guy. I don't know all about the lane. But what I see is when, they're, when when you start about easy on both sides, there's never enough play on the left to make them hard where you have all the, you know, 90% of the fields are right-handed and they make them tough. If you make them hard, there's never enough play on the left for them to burn a spot. Eventually, the right opens up and the right runs the ball for it. Uh, Why it happened at the World Series, I mean, the stadium's always been lefty-friendly. Uh, there was more oil down lane. I heard a lot of guys talking about it was the fact that maybe the lefties, that they had to adjust. I mean, you don't go nine games a day without adjusting, but their adjustments weren't as big. It was, they they played in the same part of the lane and just kept falling down. Where, you know, for example, the day that I made the cut on uh, Chameleon, I was actually standing 20 left with my feet of where I started on the fresh. You know, and I just don't think the the lefties had to do that. And when you don't have to make that that kind of move, it makes it a little easier. Um, You know... The other thing is, we never hear this. We never hear this when it's five righties on the show and no lefties. You know, I mean, it is what it is. The the guys that got there pulled awesome. I mean, they weren't given anything. They still had to make the shots. I I actually, in my two rounds when I made it, I actually pulled two of the guys that were on the World Championship show, both lefties. Um, So. And and they threw the
1: ball great. It it just is what it is. Well, yeah, and, Tom, when you talk about the stadium and the other thing that I noticed in watching all the games that I did is you never seen – you said you moved 20 boards left, but you never seen the guys lofting, you know, getting into that lefty zone where they were even kind of maybe catching some of that oil on the left side of the lane. You never had to loft gutter caps and be playing that deep. Does that – I mean, that has to play a part – in the left side, staying kind of calmer and more tame than what it had in the past.
2: Oh, absolutely. There was so much oil at the end of the pattern. I mean, I was throwing balls at 500 and 1,000 grit on them pretty much the whole week. I mean, just to get my ball the tip down lane.
1: And so talk about that, because that's one thing, you know, as we're talking, you're heading home from league and kind of changing gears here a little bit. We talk about surface and everyone, and even in the stadium, your eyes can play tricks on you as far as what surface you're throwing, whether you're watching an extra frame or even in person, frankly. But just talk, you're, so you were throwing a lot of surface on a lot of the patterns, and it seemed like a lot of the guys were both left and right-handed.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was the theme of the week from the guys that I bowled with and around and in talking with uh, all my teammates, you know, at Team Brunswick, that – that was the game plan. Lots of surface. They they altered the taper at the end of the pattern, and there was a lot more oil at the end of the pattern. So Which, one of the you know, that, that kept everybody from getting so far left and throwing the ball so far right.
1: So how were you guys then able to? Because one of the things that you usually you see when you throw surface is the heads burn, and so now you have heads that are burned, but the back end is still tight. How was that for you guys in Reno?
2: Uh, I I didn't really experience the, the heads burn in too much. I, I think the oil that they use held up. You know, the day that I had to get 20 boards, I mean, I was still I wasn't throwing it hard. I you know I was rolling the ball. It just that's the way they shaped up. You know, I didn't I didn't see excessive turn end burn.
1: Tom, one of the big conversations right now going on social media and other places is the PBA Player of the Year. We had. Jason Belmonte, your early leader, then lately Ryan Simonelli, has came on very strongly in these last three events, winning the U.S. Open, uh, winning an event in Vegas, and then winning an event in Reno. So give me your thoughts on this and how you see this all shaking out.
2: Yeah, Brian and I are pretty good friends. And, you know, when you get to go and get comfortable and play where you want to play, you can do magical things. I mean, one could say that Belmonte got to go in and play his A game for the first half of the year. You know, and it looks like Ryan got to play his A game for the last half of the year. Uh, I haven't looked that closely at the stats. I've been reading on some of the some of the message boards, you know, and, and the talk about two majors equaling a title and a half, gives Belmo three, Um Ryan with the one major and two other titles, gives him three and a half. Um, you know, I think Belmo showed Brian two to one, maybe. You know, Belmo made more money. It, it's really up in the air. Um, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to come down to, you know, it might even come down to a personality contest on this one, on, on who likes who because the
1: numbers are, are so close. Well, and that's a tricky part, too, because you have people that like, like, you know, like each of those guys, and there's some people, you know, no other way to put it, Tom, but some people that just do not like the two-handed style of bowling of Jason that feel that it's unfair, and then there's some people that say, well, lefties just have, have the whole world. So you're right, it may come down to something so silly as that when really it should come down to their performance on the lanes.
2: Right, I mean, it, it's really close. It really is. I mean, you know, I I've kind of thought about it, Tim. I don't know how I'm going to vote yet. When you look, when you look at what Ryan did, being the only lefty to make the show, to make excuse me, not the show, but the top twenty-four at the U.S. Open, and then to just absolutely dominate when a lefty hadn't won since 1989, I believe they said, you know, that's absolutely dominating the toughest major to win. You know, I haven't haven't looked. The one thing that I do know um, is in Belmo's two previous Masters, he actually got a couple of breaks by other people not performing in certain rounds to let him through when he would have been out. So, before, I, you know, I'm going to have to go back and look before I decide my vote. I would, you know, if I had to say right now, I'm probably leaning towards Ryan. Just, you know, for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's my friend. Um, he he dominated. You know, from November on, it was the Ryan Ciminelli show. You know, if he doesn't getting a little bit of a bad, bad read at the at the World Championships there for the first couple frames, you know, he could beat Gary Faulkner, you know, if, you know, now again we're talking ifs, ands, and buts, but, you know, if Gary shot splits in the 10th when it wasn't really good, we might be talking about Ryan winning two majors.
1: Tom, I'd love to get your take on this regarding the PBA Regional Tour. I had some people shoot me emails from time to time saying, hey, look, These regional tours and the regional, no matter which region you're in, really, it seems like the pros have a distinct advantage because they know, oh, we're bowling on this pattern or that pattern, so I'm going to bring these six or eight pieces with me. They get to the center. They know where to stand. They know where not to stand, which is probably even more important, frankly. What are your thoughts on that? And are people still really still using the regional tour as as it really was kind of designed back in the day as a way for bowlers to hone their skills and then come out and bowl on the tour?
2: Well, I mean, Obviously, as you if you go back to centers year in year out, you know you get used to the characteristics of the center, you know, um, as many times as I pulled out the patterns. I mean, you know you have a ballpark, but everything's so much different when you go from topography to Tim. you know that if you oil if you go into a center, you know, especially like here in Iowa, if you go into a center one day, and it, it's 80 degrees out, and the air conditioner's blowing when they oil. And then the next day, you know, in Iowa, it could be 60, and there'd be nothing on, and they oiled it. It's nothing different, but the lanes going to play completely different. Um, I think, my opinion, they've kind of softened the regional patterns um, to allow people to score and have a little bit more fun. I mean, when people are going to drive that far, You don't want to beat your head up against the wall all day long you know what i mean they don't want to embarrass people that's why you very rarely see a regional on the u.s open pattern you know per se and from my experience the houses are the ones that get to pick the patterns the pba doesn't really have a whole lot of say in that i mean obviously they have say but they normally let the houses pick the
1: pattern tom let's move on to the usbc open championships a lot is being made of a couple of the big, bigger rule changes, I guess you could say. Uh, two that come to mind right off the top of my head. Number one, the first one, that they're not going to be releasing the pattern beforehand, which they had been doing in years previous, the day of, or the couple days before, release the pattern, have live streams, etc., for people to watch and know, kind of uh, have an idea, you could say, of where to play. And just curious as to your thoughts on that.
2: That's going to that, be really interesting. To me, because as you go, as bowlers go, they're going to talk, you know. And if you get out there and the, and like I said, you know what I mean, they can play when well, it's ninety degrees, you know, in Reno in in you know June, but it's only forty degrees in March that they, they can play completely different. The The one thing that I could see is, you know, with them not posting the pattern, the conspiracy theorists are going to come out from all over the place. Uh, They did them different for this guy than they did this guy. You know, at least if you post the pattern and you get a way out of the, what am I trying to say here, a way different look, you know, from one pair to the other, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I shouldn't even go there, but uh,
1: well, people said that already. When you watch the web streams, you're like, "This isn't what I bowled on." When I threw the ball at that break point, it 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 was you know it was five through the face, or it was a washout, it, right. and and then you you know we go back to the secret Wisconsin shot, you know that Jeff Riggles always talked about. I mean, let's you know it's tough right. to it's and tough to please everyone. McNeil, yeah.
2: there's so many con- conspiracy theorists out there right now. Why would the USBC do that? They have so much to lose and nothing to gain.
1: Well, Tom, I mean, it's just—it's one of those things. I mean, as bowlers, though, but we—we're the ones we're gonna. I mean, ultimately, we decide with our pocketbooks if we're gonna bowl the USBC Open Championships. If we're gonna pay to go to Vegas and bowl it, you know, at South Point, then we know what we're getting into ahead of time, and we know what the shot may or may not be, or we don't know what it may or may not be. And that's, I mean, ultimately how bowlers, I mean, it's sad to say, and, and that's what, the, I guess, the USB CLC, frankly, is that's what you have to do is try try it. And if, if they lose members, and they lose entries in their tournament, which they've been going down already because, you know, you hear the Reno fatigue and this and that and the El Paso and, and everything. Um, time will tell, frankly, if it was a good or wasn't a good move.
2: Well, I think – the bigger change there is not not with posting. I think the new average division is going to be a bigger tell there. I really do, because basically, I mean, to, to put this, I guess, as easy as I can say, and this is just my, you know, how I see it, is basically with them going to 209 and under, basically, you've just awarded – the people that average 205 to 209 and anybody that averaged 210 to 215 you're just punished. So in my opinion you you've punished not the best bowlers, but you've punished better bowlers by making this third tier. If that makes sense.
1: Well, to me it does cuz that's one that's one spare game or one spare a set even frankly if you want to go that far. I mean that's all that that really is. And yeah,
2: it's, and they say they're going to be able to keep people from sandbagging to get into that lower division, good luck. I mean, I, I really hope they do, but you know what I mean? How are they going to tell if the guy's been averaging 212 for three years and now all of a sudden, you know, the net, that that year he averages 209. How are they going to say he did that on purpose? Because that's all it takes.
1: Well, Tom, and you, know? you like you mentioned earlier about different houses and different centers and different – Every house pattern plays different, too, and there really is no standard house pattern, quote-unquote, to measure these averages off of.
2: You know, it's it, it's a nasty deal. You know what I mean? Guys like me, we want them tough. A lot of guys want to go strike. They don't care. They just want to go strike. So a proprietor can't put down a tough shot, or their bowlers are just going to leave and go to the place down the street where everybody's striking. So it it's complicated game we're in my friend
1: could not agree more Tom we are bowling in a very interesting and sometimes complex time so talk about where folks can expect to see you and what events you're planning on bowling in 2016
2: I'm uh planning on bowling the uh TOC and the Masters are my only two confirmed here in the spring and then I was fortunate enough to win the Iowa Open so I have a paid spot in the U.S. Open so those three are the only three tournaments that I am for sure bowling right now, and then I'll probably figure out a way to make the World Series next year, of course. But uh, don't even know what I'm going to do for regionals yet. Just, just going to kick back and maybe just stick around here in the Midwest and go back to being a uh, you know a bigger fish in the little pond instead of being a little fish on the big pond.
1: And before we go, Tom, I have to remind folks check out bowlingthismonth.com, bowling's best and most complete technical resource. They have a money-back guarantee, only $37.95 a year. Instant access right now, lots of great ball reviews, tips. Seeing two great articles right now by Dr. Dean Hinnance on coaching, both the mental and physical side of things. Also, you go down, there's a great piece by Ron Clifton on early turn. Susie Minshew teaching you how to line up. That's always very important for us bowlers as we get out on the lanes. And lots of great insight and articles there. Again, check out BowlingThisMonth.com, bowling's best and most complete technical resource.